0: Anytime you go to purchase something, you go through a cycle, you go through stages of awareness on this journey, and your clients are no different. So this is really important to know, because what someone needs to hear at the stage where, you know, let's say they just got engaged, or even before they get engaged, is different Than what they may need to hear four months before their wedding because they're in a completely different mindset. They're in a completely different state of awareness.
1: Ooh, there's more from where that came from. And that was a snippet from today's episode. Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss podcast, where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative and also a peek into my world as a wedding videographer. I'm your host, Paul Santiago. And today is Monday, which means it's time for another masterclass. Make sure you grab your notes because this episode is going to change the way you market yourself. Your instructor for today is Heidi Thompson, and she's here to talk about how to squash overwhelm with a marketing plan. We'll also talk about why you need a marketing plan and how it'll make your life easier what your marketing plan should contain, how to use your marketing plan to avoid shiny object syndrome, and how you can create your own effective marketing plan. I think she's almost ready so let me give you a head start to grab that coffee or any warm alcoholic beverage and let's start the class. Heidi Thompson is the best-selling author of Clone Your Best Clients and the founder of Evolve Your Wedding Business, where she specializes in business and marketing strategy for wedding professionals. She helps wedding professionals grow their businesses and reach their goals without going crazy in the process. Her business and marketing expertise has been featured on, man, several wedding and business outlets, including The Huffington Post, Social Media Examiner, Wedding Business Magazine, Sprouting Photographer, PhotoBiz Exposed, Honeybook, Wedding Wire World, and she's an advisory board member of the UK Academy of Wedding and Event Planning. Wow! You can also join her and thousands of other wedding professionals just like you in the Evolve Your Wedding Business Facebook community. Friends, please help me welcome Heidi Thompson. Hey, Heidi, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this topic today because it's not just for people who are starting out. You could actually use it at any time in your business, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So before we start, I'd love it if you tell us something that people might not know about you or something that you like that actually surprised other people.
0: Mm, so lately, like over the past couple of years, I've gotten real into pinball. I love playing pinball.
1: You know, I've never... Really tried playing pinball.
0: I hadn't until about three years ago. There's a bar right near me with a bunch of machines. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I didn't
1: know about this. I grew up in the Philippines. And the only people that have pinball machines are rich kids. And we weren't rich. So we didn't really have rich friends. <laughs> That's
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, it's like a it's like a status symbol there. But that, this was in the 90s, you know. Yeah. Next, I want to ask you how you got started and what are you up to right now?
0: Yeah, so what I do now, as I describe it, is I help wedding professionals grow their businesses without going crazy in the process. And how that all started with my business, Evolve Your Wedding Business, is kind of a winding path. So I started out just after college working... On fundraising events for nonprofit. And I loved it. I had never worked in events before. I had never had to, you know, get people to actually come and incentivize them with the marketing. And it was really, really fun. And I thought at the time that what I enjoyed most about it was the event side. So then I started working. I worked under a wedding planner as her assistant for a while. And it was fun, but. I realized that wasn't actually what was appealing to me. It was the marketing side of things. So I proceeded to work a lot of different marketing roles. Um, I've marketed everything from beds to university curriculum to poop. And (laughs) yeah, And all through the process, this is when I was living in the UK. Uh, I lived there for about six years. I noticed that there was something interesting going on in the market. So what the media was putting out there, the wedding media and bridal shows, was this like white, fluffy Cinderella kind of aesthetic. And that was the exact opposite of what people were by and large going for, which was more of a rock and roll bride, offbeat bride, something more personalizing, tailored to their individual tastes as a couple. So I decided to start a wedding fair to bring those kinds of vendors and those kinds of couples together. And I found myself spending a lot of time coaching the vendors that were exhibiting at my shows on their marketing so they could get you know, a better return on their investment. And that's when I realized not everybody is just really into marketing and I should bring these two worlds together.
1: Creatives plus marketing is equal to just a nightmare. because (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, creatives, it's so hard for creatives to concentrate on the back end of having a business. So having you there is going to be really helpful because I think, at, at least for me, marketing is... The hardest part because yeah everything is available and almost free but where to start is always the dilemma so most of us already have businesses that that are running and we already have the plans in place some probably work better than others so i could just imagine starting all over and being overwhelmed with work and all the information out there so my question is is there a proper time to start making your marketing plan or should you do it like in an off season or how, how do you usually do
0: that? That's a good question. Um, in terms of creating your marketing plan, I think a lot of people think a marketing plan is like this big behemoth you know, document, like a business plan, like it's huge and it's gonna take all of the time in the world to put together. But I have found in order to be really functional, it doesn't need to be that gigantic. It helps if you have the time in the off season to do some of the kind of foundational steps of it. But I would say, you know, there's certainly no time like the present to get more intentional about how you're marketing. I guess just,
1: you know, do your research and whatever your gut tells you, just go do it.
0: Yeah. Well, I find that the vast majority of creatives don't have a plan and the way that they market is kind of spur of the moment, you know, Oh no, I haven't posted anything in a while or yeah. uh, it's like a panic response. And it's like, then you just throw something out there and there's no actual strategy behind it. So that's usually why your marketing doesn't work in some way
1: i feel like whenever you start you see all of these people online that that actually know what they're doing and already plan what they're doing but you don't see that part you only see whatever is posted on social media Mm -hmm. and you try to follow that but then since you don't have a plan all you see is the front end then it's just going to you know, it's just gonna be so hard to like keep up with with everything. So yeah, having a plan really is going to
0: help. Yeah, and it's you have to, I think it's really important to see yourself as the CEO of your business. And you have to operate as both the CEO of your business and the person, you know, under the CEO that's doing the work. But I mean, if you were to ask anyone, you know, what is a CEO do? do in a given day you know no one's going to be able to answer that question it's all the behind the scenes stuff that you don't see even for big brands like you just see the commercials you just see the promotions you don't see what is happening on a strategic level but that's the foundation of everything
1: it's always that you never see the business deals and you never see you only see the results and that's what confuses people when, when yeah. it comes to, you know, marketing their business. Like I, I went online today just to like research a little bit, just to get a clearer image in my head. And there's just so much information out there that, yeah, if I were trying to find out what I need to do, it's just so overwhelming. But mm-hmm. it's more of like results. These are the results, but there's no, there's no like concrete planning. So I can't wait to to get into this.
0: Yeah, so before we do, I do want to explain why having a marketing plan matters. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I don't ever advise someone do anything without knowing why. Because I would be annoyed if someone told me to do something and didn't tell me why. (laughs) So really, a marketing plan gives you focus. It gives you the ability to be very clear and focused on what it is that you need to do and what it is that can wait. So that kind of helps in the shiny object syndrome department. It definitely reduces overwhelm because you feel less pulled in a million different directions because you've already decided, you know, so much of this comes down to the idea of decision fatigue, You know, we make so many decisions on a minute-by-minute daily basis. There's just nothing left. That's why, you know, deciding what you're going to have for dinner is like the most excruciating decision. You're out of decisions by the time you get to that point. So if you can create a plan that has already made the decisions for you ahead of time, then you don't have to do that on a daily basis. You're just implementing the plan. And on top of, you know, keeping you organized, it allows you to do what works. And I know you're a fan of the 80 20 rule, in that you get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. So, doesn't it make sense to do more activities that get you that 80% of results and fewer activities that get you? you know, that remaining 20%. And the other thing a marketing plan can do for you is really help you stand out. This is a big issue, especially if you're in a crowded market, which we all kind of are at this point. This is a strategic way to present yourself in a light that is different than how your competitors are presenting themselves. So, Really, in a nutshell, just makes everything easier. And that's what I love helping people do. So if you want to make things easier for yourself, this kind of a plan is for you.
1: Sweet. I'm excited.
0: A marketing plan that is functional and is usable for our sorts of businesses only has five parts. It doesn't have to be this gigantic thing. And I'm going to go over those five parts in detail, but... I first want to point out that most people focus on the marketing tactics on, you know, what do you post on Instagram and how many times a week and what time. But the real secret to making your marketing work comes in parts one through three of this. The tactics don't even come into play until part four. So let's go over those parts. Part one is your goal. We have to know what we're trying to get here. Part two is your research. Part three is your messaging. Part four is the how. How are we going to implement this? And part five is measuring. And we're going to go through each of those so that you have an idea of what a marketing plan actually looks like for a creative business and that can actually you know, work for you. So tell me, what is your – do you have like a process for how you set goals or do you set one at the beginning of the year or how do you do that? So believe
1: it or not, I've been in business for almost nine years and just uh, late last year was the time where I actually planned (laughs) to do do something because it's always like a spur of the moment. Like for two Mm -hmm. straight weeks, I'm like, okay, social media time and then it slows down. So now what I do is my plan, I always try to list down the most important ones that I need to concentrate on and then do the sub sub categories for that one. But then I feel like whenever I make a list, whatever's in the bottom of my list, I consider outsourcing just to huh. just to so that's that's my plan. That's our goal is to delegate more. That's a good goal. The b- bottom list items.
0: That's a good way to identify that. I really like that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> because those are the things that are going to get pushed, you know, to the next day and the next day and the next day. Yeah. And, you know, there's so
1: many services out there that offer, you know, we could scan your receipts for you. There you go. Or, mm-hmm. you know, something. So the longer you are in business, the more money – Needs to be used smarter. Yes. So absolutely. Yeah. Cause when, and it's yeah.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, and it's determining, you know, at any given point in your business, what does success look like for you? If you're getting burnt out on doing all those little things and success for you might look like working fewer hours and maintaining the same income level.
1: We decided to raise our prices, do less weddings and spend more time with the family. Because my, my niece and my nephew are like seven and five. And they're like growing so fast that I... Because when they were babies, they re- they don't really care if we're working or not on weekends. But now that they're older, they're like, Uncle Paul, I have a recital. Can you watch it? And then we watch it. You know, we want to we wanna make sure we're there. So we w- want to give more time to the family, I think, more than anything.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily think through this, you know, what at like the current moment in your life, what does success look like? And then you, you're you going to set goals off of that. You're probably still going to set, you know, a revenue goal, but there's going to be other goals. Like, like you just said, you know, I only want to work X number of hours a week. So that means I need to start delegating some things. I need to you know, raise prices, do fewer, whatever it is. But really being aware of what is it that you want, which sounds like a simple question, but actually takes some real thinking about.
1: Yeah, takes years to find out.
0: And so I like to encourage people to, yes, you know, do your, if you're going to set an annual goal of, you know, how much you want to make this year, great. But it's also really important to set... A 90 day goal in this part and 90 day planning is incredibly helpful for small businesses like ours because I don't know what I'm going to be doing in a year you know things can change so quickly and it's hard to take action on that so by setting a 90 day goal you know maybe so for your example of you know You want to spend more time with your family. Maybe a 90-day goal for someone like yourself is, okay, I want to go from working 40 hours a week to 30 hours a week in the next 90 days. And that's what I'm working toward. And then that way you can break that down to, okay, month one, what has to get done, month two, month three, and then, okay, week one, week two, week three, so that you actually have to-do items that are directly tied to your goal. I think I'm at, with this
1: podcast at least, I'm at day 30. (laughs) So I have 60 more days.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you can start a 90-day goal at any time. You can start a 90-day plan at any time. I think a lot of people, they'll wait till like, the end of the year, the end of the quarter. And, I mean, it doesn't really matter. You can start it today. But what do you want to accomplish in the next 90 days because that gives you the focus that you need to create your plan it has to be smart goals right more strategic yes. and, okay yeah and really any goal should have a number attached to it because without a number you don't know how you're doing like there's no way to measure something that doesn't have a number did it go up did it go down like i don't know i just said i wanted more weddings well is that one is that 100. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, true. Very true.
0: So part one, is just simply laying out there. What is your goal in terms of the year and the next 90 days? So part two, and I love this part is your research. This is really the foundation of your marketing plan. Because without this, You don't know who you're marketing to. You don't know how you're marketing. This is really, this points you in the right direction for everything you're going to execute. And the first area of this is your ideal client. And I'm sure you've probably heard, you know, it's important to have an ideal client. And I think the way a lot of people teach that is problematic because it doesn't help you do anything. So, the demographics, like knowing, okay, my ideal client is a couple between 25 and 45 in the Denver area. Like, what do you do with that information? That's not actionable in any way. So, it's pretty useless at that point. Okay. So, my process for this. And I wrote a book detailing the whole process called Clone Your Best Clients. But in a nutshell, that method is identifying and really asking yourself, who are your best clients? You probably have people that you've worked with that you wish you could clone and just they would be every couple and that would just be amazing. You wish everyone was just like them. So identifying is the first part of this. But like I said, it's not enough to know, you know, who they are. It's not enough to know demographics. We have to understand them as people because at its core marketing is you connecting with another person. So much of this is rooted in psychology. So you have to understand who you're talking to. So what do these best clients that you've written down what do they value what are they really into what do they care about what do they love doing what do they fear what are they just like totally geeking out on at the moment because this helps you understand what they value which then helps you understand why they make the decisions they make because we all make our purchasing decisions based on what we value and we're Totally fine with spending more money on something that we value.
1: I just realized my goal is to find my ideal market and zone in on it.
0: You've probably worked with people too who are like, oh, if everyone was like them. Yeah. Or if everyone had that kind of wedding or if everyone had that kind of personality. I'm sure you've had people like that who you just wish. You know, everyone was like them. Yes. And if you if you craft your marketing around those people, you attract more of those people. You know, people see your marketing and they either see themselves in it or they don't. And if they see themselves in it, they're going to be more likely to wanna to work with you specifically, because you're essentially telling them you're the go-to person for who they are, you know, what they value. So we've got your ideal client. Then we want to do a bit of a competitive analysis. So when you look at your competitors, it's really important to look at this through a lens of curiosity and analysis, not through a comparison, you know, oh, they're so much better than me or, oh, they're charging this much. Maybe I should copy their package. That's not what we're trying to, to do what we're trying to do is figure out the first of all who are the competitors in this market including the non-obvious ones so you know not having a videographer is always an option so that's a non-obvious competitor having a friend do it as a non-obvious competitor for you know wedding planners the perception that the coordinator at the venue can handle everything is a non-obvious competitor but when you look at your competitors I want you to look at what they offer who they're targeting and how they're marketing so the reason why you're doing this is so that you can find gaps if they if you know you find there's a big gap in the market that nobody's offering you know, this particular type of service. Or maybe you offer something that you're the only one that offers that and you had no idea. Or maybe this could, you know, create some ideas for you. Knowing what they offer is important so that you can differentiate yourself. But I think really what is most important here is looking at who are they targeting and how are they actually marketing. So is anyone in your market making themselves the go-to person for anyone or are they all kind of marketing in a general way you know who is it that you want to attract you can make yourself the go-to person for those people so you really put yourself in a category of one and how are they marketing so where what you know are they all kind of doing the same sorts of things on the same platforms are there some platforms that they're not utilizing. So maybe they're all super focused on Instagram and they're neglecting Pinterest and that's an opportunity for you. So look at not just where they're marketing, but how they're marketing. How are they promoting themselves? Are they just posting nothing but promotional stuff? Are they posting content that's helpful? Really the how is important here and figuring out okay, what are these people doing? Who are they trying to attract and how are they doing that? So that you can find opportunities for yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. A lot a lot of sense.
1: <laughs> no Okay, like, good. While you were talking, I was already looking at the, the competition and how they're <laughs> how they're doing it. And I'm like, the the thing is for me, most of them have a huge following. And the thing that weirds me out is they're just all doing the same thing. So it's interesting. that's how I want to find out how are they getting all of these follows and how are they getting all of these likes and how are they getting all of these engagement when everyone else is doing the same thing? Is there something I'm missing?
0: <laughs> well, I think the number of followers is deceiving because you think that That's, you know, the number of people who are, you know, interested in working with them. And a lot of times it's not. A lot of people in a lot of accounts have a ton of followers and none of them are, you know, their ideal client. They are friends, family, other vendors, which are not bad to have following you. But if that's all that you're marketing to, you know, you're not going to actually get anywhere with that. So I get like those numbers can be there's like a weird thing that happens when we see that it's like you know oh they're they're doing so well. It's like well maybe but maybe not. It might be that that's you know 2000 people who have never thought once I want to work with this person.
1: They just look pretty.
0: Yeah. Yeah and <laughs> they just like seeing their photos or their videos.
1: Yeah. That makes me feel better.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> You know, you pointed out something there. They're all doing the same thing. And I think a lot of times we can fall into the trap of just following the leader when it turns into like following the blind. Like the person who started doing that just started doing it. And they probably don't know if it's working or not. They probably aren't paying attention and they probably aren't tracking. You know, always assume nobody has done their homework. Because yeah. chances are, they probably
1: haven't. They probably haven't. Yeah. yeah, They were probably just in the right place at the right time. When yep. they When they posted it or when they commented or something.
0: Yep. And instead, looking at that as, oh, okay, everybody's doing this. That means I have an opportunity to stand out by doing something different. Unless that's their marketing plan. <laughs> and maybe it is, <laughs> yeah. but... You don't know if it's working for them. And you also don't know if it's planned. It could just be, this is all the thought I've put into this. I'm copying that other person.
1: Makes sense now.
0: Next up, we have a super handy little exercise called the SWOT analysis. It's S-W-O-T. And I'll try to describe this. It helps if you see it, but you can Google it and see what it looks like. It is four boxes. So you just draw like a cross on a page and you have four boxes. And from left to right on the top, you have strengths and then weaknesses. And then left to right on the bottom, you have opportunities and threats. And what you can do with this is this really gives you a framework to run an analysis on anything. It could be your business as a whole, it could be your competitors marketing it could be how you are specifically marketing yourself on a specific platform like you can get really specific about this but what this allows you to do is identify what you're doing really well so you can do more of it and what opportunities exist and those opportunities are often like right in front of us but we don't realize it until we sit down And look at, you know, everyone else is following the leader, but I can do this in a different way. There's an opportunity for me to really stand out here. So you can use that on your business as a whole, on your marketing as a whole, but you can get really specific with it too. You know, you could run this on the images that you use on your website. Okay, what are the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats for that? specifically to see where you can improve upon that. So this is a versatile little tool that you can use anywhere in your marketing. Okay. Next up is the buying cycle. So this is something that we all do, but we don't really realize we do it. Anytime you go to purchase something, you go through a cycle, you go through stages of awareness on this journey. So you go from, so like I have my podcast microphone in front of me. I went from totally unaware that podcast microphones were a thing to realizing that I needed a microphone. So, okay, um, I guess I need to do some research about microphones and see what I need to know about this to make a good decision. Then I get to a point where all right, I'm aware of like the different types of microphones available and the different price points. And then I go into a process of looking at each one individually and deciding which one is right for me. So we all go through this process every time we make a purchasing decision and your clients are no different. So this is really important to know because what someone needs to hear at the stage where you know, let's say they just got engaged or even before they get engaged is different than what they may need to hear four months before their wedding because they're in a completely different mindset. They're in a completely different state of awareness. And within this, I also want you to look at two really important things. Where do your clients come from? A lot of people don't know this and it's okay if you don't know this as long as you do something about that, but finding out where your clients come from so that you can do more of what's already working and really paying attention to when they come to you. So we work in a very seasonal business. When does that spike of leads happen for you? Because you can organize your marketing around that and what they need to hear at, you know, those specific times as opposed to, uh, you know, if you're offering a different service during the off season, then it would make sense, you know, to plan your marketing around that. So does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And then in this section two, I like to include really stopping to take stock of what you need help with. So where do you need help or guidance or assistance or support or someone to actually do something for you, where are you going to need that? So let's say part of your goal is you really want to increase the number of inquiries you're getting from people who just find you on Google, okay? Maybe you don't have any knowledge or expertise in SEO. So you could decide to go the route of getting you know, guidance, education there, or you could go the route of hiring someone to do it for you. But either way, you need help with this because you don't know how to do it. And this is important to take stock of because we try to do it all by ourselves. And that is really, really self-defeating.
1: Yeah. Very frustrating. And, you know, whenever you do it by yourself, it's just, you feel so alone and the results aren't, what you expect and people don't know that it takes time and it yeah yeah it takes it takes
0: way longer when you try to do it all on your own oh yeah (laughs) so for this section for the research section the if you do one action item from this it's to identify your best clients and really explore who they are as people i'm a big proponent of actually interviewing your best clients but if you do nothing more than really sit and think about the conversations you had with them and how they interacted with each other on their wedding day. You know, who are they as individual people? You know, if you were meeting up with them and another friend and you were like, oh, we're meeting up with John and Jessica. Oh, who are John and Jessica? You would describe them as people. You wouldn't say, you know, they're between 25 and 45 and live in the Denver area. So go that way with trying to explore who they are. We've been getting
1: a lot of couples that from weddings that we already did and then their friends get married. And, you know, I, I feel like the market that we have attracted is actually already there. Like we already have the market that's fun and our ideal clients are already there because they're just like cloning themselves and just, you know, going to us. So it was way and that's
0: awesome. Yeah, that's awesome too, because then that leads you down a path of, okay, this is a really good source of clients. You know, what can I do in terms of incentivizing or staying top of mind with the people who send me referrals?
1: That's a good idea. Incentivize.
0: All right. So part three is your messaging. And messaging is just marketing jargon for the way that you communicate to grab a potential client's attention and it tells them how you can solve their problem why they should trust you and why they should choose you over any other choices they may have so more tangibly this includes things like who are you the go-to person for what Language do you use to attract your client? Because if you are marketing to a very traditional religious client, you're going to use different language than if you're trying to attract the exact opposite. You know, people who, you know, want to go their own way and do their own thing, there's going to be different verbiage that you're going to use for that. So it's really important to identify. Who is that person that you are trying to attract? And how do you speak to them? And this is, you know, on your website and your emails and your social media, anywhere that you show up and exist in the world, you have to make sure that your messaging aligns with who these people are and what they care about. And I can give you an example of this. I had a client who was a wedding planner and she was running into an issue where she was getting a lot of inquiries and she wasn't converting. So we went through this process of really talking to her clients to see what was really important to them and why they chose to go with her, which is usually very eye-opening. And she found that overwhelmingly, she was working with and attracting people who uh, were in large families and a lot of Indian weddings. But because this was like the 15th Indian wedding this person would have been to, having been their own wedding because they have such a huge family, they wanted the the culture, but they were kind of over- all of, um, you know, doing it the same way. They wanted to inject their personality into it, but still maintain their culture. Now, this wedding planner was using messaging all around, you're so busy, I can help save you time. And that priority was like number eight on her actual client's list. The number one priority was, I want to have a wedding that wasn't like my brothers, wasn't like my sisters, wasn't like any of my cousins. And I want it to be something that, yes, brings my culture in because that's really important to me. But I also want it to bring my personality in. And once she shifted to talking about that, oh, my God, everything fell into place. So you have to know what matters. You can't just assume these things because you might be wrong. They didn't really care about saving time. That wasn't a big motivator for them. Uh, The big motivator for them was being a bit different, but still being able to retain their culture. So once you say that, you know, you stand out like a beacon. My question is,
1: is there a certain language that rich people have?
0: (laughs) I'm actually, I'm very happy you asked this because people seem to think that they're Is And that's really weird because that is putting a bunch of people who have completely different backgrounds and personalities and priorities into the same bucket. There are plenty of rich people that when they see, you know, traditional frou-frou kind of marketing, they're like, oh, gag me. That is the worst. That's the opposite of what I want. You know, I want something really personalized and really custom. And I want it to be fun. And I think, you know, we look at a lot of luxury brands, a lot of like the big luxury, like fashion brands or car brands, and they will have you believe that like people who are willing to spend a large amount of money on things have like no fun in their lives at all.
1: That's the reason why I ask because I've noticed like a lot of luxury high-end Wedding vendors, when you go to their website, it's like, hi, welcome to my company. Come in. It's that you know? voice. Yeah, it's, it's, like... it's
0: every perfume ad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my thing. I know that when you look for your ideal client and you find how they spend and what their values are and it matches with yours, how deep do you have to go into the messaging part? For example, if I love rap music and I talk, like, the way the rappers talk, is that okay if I want to cater to, like, the high-end market? Or, I don't know, I feel like, should there be, like, a, a hard stop when it comes to your personality? Because what if your personality doesn't really attract like nice people you know <laughs> you know because there are some people out there that are like they're doing like really good high-end stuff but their personalities like t- the total opposite of their clients so that's, what and that's I'm trying okay
0: to do. yeah I, that is okay like you need to like your marketing yeah it has to encompass you know why work with me why trust me and I think it's important for at least a version of your personality, like a part of your personality. It's not going to be how you are with your best friend because nobody wants to hear that when they're hiring someone. Yeah. But I don't think that professionalism and personality are opposites. I think they can coexist. It's just a matter of how you do that. And you can you know, be professional, but still, you know, you can make like little references or it can be the way that you speak in your social media posts. It can be that, you know, the tone of your graphics that you create. There are a lot of ways to showcase both who you are, but most importantly, holding up a mirror to who your ideal client is, because if they don't see themselves in it, they're not going to want to work with you. You know, if they don't want to be in a perfume ad, they're not going to respond to that kind of language. It's boring. Yeah. Right. Okay. And like, if I had, you know, a billion dollars, that doesn't change fundamentally who I am as a person and what I like to do and the kinds of people I would trust. It's just, I would have more money.
1: Okay. Okay. So what's important is just show up and do your job. Make sure you especially that's what I've noticed for like the higher end couples. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to look through your price list. Just tell me which price and I'll pay it. And they don't have time to ask you questions about how professional are you? What are you going to wear? You know, they yeah, just, like- just show up, do your job and we're we're going to be happy either way.
0: Yeah, make this easy for me to hire you and to work with you. Okay, cool.
1: So no, welcome to our company. Oh,
0: I wouldn't. That's <laughs> I would never do that, but I mean that's me. That's not my personality. That's not I mean I wouldn't even want to work with someone that wanted <laughs> that kind of thing, but that's just me. Yeah. You know, um but I would be careful because when you're using that kind of language are you just blending in now you know are you differentiating yourself in any meaningful way or you know do i forget whose website i'm on
1: so i'm just gonna start with, what's up what's up <laughs> it's lit fam because <laughs> you know that's the thing i would love to cater to at least as a business that's been that's existed for almost nine years, you wanna like cater also to the younger couples because when we started out that that was our market, and now the longer we go, the older not too old, but the older the couples are, but you kinda wanna be in touch with that market too of like what's up and you know it's lit, and i for the life of me, I can't speak like that. Right, I tried without <laughs> it
0: being like a like that. Hello, fellow kids. Me, yeah.
1: I was just gonna say, Oops. hello, fellow kids. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, you can you can definitely you know attract those people based on what they're into, you know, based on who they are, based on their personality. Like there is a an efficient that I met, and he does like these super adventurous elopements like if you're going to work with him you're going to get married on top of a mountain you're going to take a helicopter up and it's entirely built around you know you're this adventurous outdoorsy person and you want to do something as exciting for your wedding as you do you know every time you go snowboarding or every time you go skiing so there's a lot of ways to communicate with your ideal client but you can't know that You can't know the way that you need to speak to them and appeal to them unless you know who they are, what they care about, you know, what's actually important to them. So all of this comes before the how. This is part four. This is where everyone jumps to. Don't make that mistake because all of this is built on what we just went over. And this is your channels. So what channels or platforms are you going to use to market over the next 90 day period? Just make that commitment to yourself because you don't need to be on every platform. You don't need to be everywhere and you will exhaust yourself trying to do so. So what are the handful that you're going to focus on for the next 90 days? Maybe that's instagram facebook and you're going to work on your seo for your website but make that decision while you're creating this plan because then you don't have the point where you're like oh maybe i should do this on here and you like fall down a pinterest rabbit hole when you specifically said that you weren't going to do that during this 90-day period
1: it's a little tricky because most of the platforms out there you could actually integrate them with the other ones so Mm -hmm. for example like with pinterest videographers wouldn't really consider pinterest because you know it's like more of like a photo website but then they integrate video in there yeah i feel like you just have to find out where you're getting the most of of your inquiries and your the connections and engagement and then that's that's where i should probably concentrate on
0: yeah and the way i teach my clients to do this is have the ones that are already working for you keep it up keep you know doing what's working and then limit yourself to one experiment per 90 day period and maybe that experiment by experiment, I mean anything new, like you're going to test and see how it works for you. And, you know, maybe that experiment needs to last for two 90-day periods. But the point is that you don't want to be experimenting on five different platforms at the same time because nothing's going to get your full focus or effort. You're probably not even going to look at the numbers <laughs> to see if it was a success or not. So try to limit yourself yourself to that and once you decide where you're going to be you know which of these platforms channels whatever you're going to use you can decide broadly what the tactics will be so what do you post what do you do in these individual places for seo that's a little bit different you're not posting individual things but there are things that you need to do when when does this seem to happen Are you gonna post on Instagram every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? And what assets do you need? Do you need images? Do you need video? Do you need audio? Do you need text? Do you need to do some research on hashtags? If you lay all of this out ahead of time, then you can gather this and you can get so far ahead so you aren't doing this in the moment. And then within your marketing plan, I really like to have a place to keep your ideas for later. And this is all about making decisions ahead of time. You're going to have ideas. You're going to have things that pique your interest. You are going to want to try new things. So you have to set yourself up to not feel like you have to do that right now. Where can you have effectively like an ideas parking lot that you can put something And come back to it at the end of that 90-day period and decide, oh, okay, well, I'm going to try this for the next 90 days. I'm a big fan of 90-day cycles. It makes it so much easier to manage. And just deciding, okay, when I have an idea, this is what I do. I put it in this Google Doc that I created for this purpose or like the notes app on my phone, whatever it is. And then when are you going to revisit that? So that you can put your anxiety of like, oh, I'm going to forget this at ease because, all right, well, I'm going to circle back to this every three months and decide on one new thing to try.
1: Yeah. I love the 90 days because at least from what I've read, it takes 66 days to develop a habit. So if you incorporate that into the 90 days after the 60, 66 days, it's you're going to be creating new habits that's going to help you. In creating a plan for yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you can just, you know, build on that. Then it becomes something that, you know, you nailed it or maybe you've automated it in some way. So that's not something you have to really worry about for the next 90 day period. You can move on to something else.
1: Yeah. Even the the smallest things, too. Like I started sleeping earlier. Uh, Instead of midnight, I sleep at 10 now. Mm -hmm. and. It changed my routine in the morning because I'm not as sleepy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I drink my coffee and then I just start typing and planning my day out. Sometimes I do it the night before, but then when I don't, I just plan my day out. And then I get to find out which one's important and which one isn't. And then I go to emails. Now it's it's like a habit already. I'm not even the 66 days, but yeah.
0: Nice. So after you decide... Here's where I'm going to market. Here's how I'm going to market. You have to address part five, which is measuring, which is very, very simple. It's just deciding what KPIs, which is just marketing for key performance indicator. What is the number you're going to measure, right? So like a non-business example, if you're trying to get your blood pressure down, the key performance indicator is what your blood pressure is. That's the important thing to track for the goal. So you need to identify what are those things that you need to measure and how often are you going to measure them. This should be a recurring appointment with yourself in your calendar so that you don't forget this. Are you going to do this on a weekly basis? Is it going to be every two weeks? Is it going to be every month? Regardless, if it doesn't wind up in your calendar, it's probably not going to get done. And then when you are reviewing this, you can really look to see what is working and what is not working. And you can ask yourself why. Maybe it's not working because you didn't follow your plan. Maybe it's not working because you are running Facebook ads and you need to change the targeting a little bit. Um, Maybe it's not working because it's not the right platform for you. So that's where you can decide What am I going to continue to do? What am I going to double down on because it's working for me? And what am I going to stop doing because it isn't? And I think oftentimes we just focus on piling things on to what we're already doing. And we don't ever look at if the stuff that we've already piled on is actually working or not, or if it's just wasting our time. So you want to look at any leaks. And when I say leaks, I mean, think about your flow of potential client to booked client as a pipeline where is it leaking is it leaking after you have the consultation and they're not booking is it leaking where they're coming to your website but they're not filling out an inquiry form because if you can focus on where it's leaking you can fix it but if you just like Take the approach of, no, no, just need a whole new pipe. Like, well, then that's not going to really address anything. And that's way more work than you actually need to do. You know, just fix what's broken. All you need to do is patch it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you didn't have to, like, pull it out of the wall. Like, don't create more work for yourself.
1: I know. Small businesses, uh, especially wedding people, we love to make things complicated.
0: Yep. And it can be. Simple. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be the easiest thing in the world all the time. It's still going to be challenging, but it can be simple. So we've got those five parts of your marketing plan. Your goal, your research, messaging, the how, and measuring. Once you figure out parts two and three, those are really the biggest ones. They rarely change. So this is something you do once, maybe tweak it every now and then, but unless you change who it is that you're targeting, unless there's a big change in your market, unless you're changing, you know, your messaging, you don't have to redo this. This just works for you and you just have to decide on the how and then measure. It is pretty simple. I
1: love that you emphasize on like having, make sure that your goals have numbers because just so you know what to target. And I love that we touched on the 80-20 rule a little bit because that's actually what really helped me when it comes to planning, planning what my marketing strategy should be or even the way we edit our videos and the way we do our production. So how do you feel about when it comes to the 80-20 rule? How are people going to find out what to measure when it comes to the 80-20 rule.
0: Oh, okay, so for the 80-20 rule, the whole idea behind the 80-20 rule is that 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. Not all things you do are created equal. You know, there's just some things you do that get really big results. So it's identifying uh, the really key thing to track is what are those things for you? So if you're not already tracking or I would I would encourage you to track with Google Analytics and ask people how they found you, this is a good point to start doing that. Because that is going to tell you, you know, if uh, Facebook comes up over and over and over again, or referrals come up over and over and over again. Well, that is the thing that's driving 80% of your results. So Doesn't it make more sense to look at how you can continue to leverage that and make it work even harder for you? When it
1: comes to the 80-20 rule, I guess my next question is, what if the 80% of what you're getting is not what you want? That, That always goes back to what your market is and how you talk on your messaging, right?
0: Yeah, it's you really need to look at who you're targeting and you may unintentionally be targeting a client that you don't actually want to work with. Like you'll book them and whatever, it's fine, I guess, but like you don't really, this isn't who you want to be working with. Then you need to really look at, okay, who do I want to be working with? And What changes need to be made in my language, in my images, even just who I say I am and what I do. You know, something as simple as, like if you're a wedding planner and you also do destination weddings, but there's no mention of that anywhere, you are unintentionally not bringing in those people. You have to be very intentional and looking at what you're doing through that lens of who is this attracting? Whether I intended it or not, based on what I've put together here, who is this for? Who is this like, like a magnet for?
1: With wedding professionals, we're usually by ourselves. We don't mm-hmm. have we don't have coworkers. We don't have office mates. And trying to come up with a business plan by yourself is so hard because you get distracted. There's always stuff to do. Self-awareness is, like, really hard to achieve. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so what would you advise people to do? How to start this? Like, how are they going to start it when they're, like, by themselves? How to begin looking and into their marketing plan?
0: Well, that's... I. I really aim to be that person who can guide. You know, like, you're the hero in the story. I'm just Yoda over here showing you how to do it. I mean, I have a lot of different courses available one is specifically on this how to create an overwhelm squashing marketing plan where I go very in depth on this and I'm actually hooking I told you before we started recording I'm hooking up your listeners with a 30-day trial to my membership which is called the Wedding Business Collective that's where I have All of my trainings on business and marketing, but it's not just a training thing. I think, you know, we can all learn things, but like you said, a lot of times it's you're alone. You need support, you need accountability, and we have that built in as well. It's really everything you need in one place. So uh, we'll have the link in the show notes, right, Paul? Yes, we will. And And thanks for doing that. Yeah, I'm happy to. I love hooking up podcast listeners. And the coupon for that is going to be Wedding Video Boss, but we'll have that in the show notes as well. So that you can hop in, you can start a 30-day trial. You can get a lot done in 30 days. And oh, yeah. see if it's, you know, right for you. See what kind of progress you can make. And if you want to stick around, great. If it's not for you, no problem.
1: Sweet. Thanks for doing that. I just realized that most of us creatives we like some sometimes we hang out with other creatives and we chat and okay let's talk about like work and what what what's your plan and what's my plan and you know if you're not talking to someone who's who actually knows what to do it's kind of like a waste of time i mean it's you're developing friendships and a network that's great but if you're going to talk about having a plan having a marketing plan in with your business i feel like this is the the best way to do it because it's well, thanks. it's very like one on one and you know it's it's very very zoned into what your problem is and i really appreciate yeah. that you do that
0: oh i love it i love finding the problem and you know following the symptoms to the problem and then smashing that problem
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I just changed the meaning of "boss" f- for the wedding video, boss, because it used to be uh, the business of smashing stereotypes. But now it's called since we were from you. You stayed in the UK too. I could say it's the business of smashing service. <laughs> <laughs> smashing, smashing service. See, I could do the the, the whole accent for the lux- luxury brand.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: business of smashing service
0: my husband is english and on a regular basis there'll be like some stupid lexus ad and he's like why <laughs> why why are they using not excitement an english accent i don't know what that is it's like halfway across the ocean accent
1: i mean anything english people say makes it like 10 times more valuable i feel like so weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so so with that, I thank you for your time that you've given us. And I'm pretty sure the listeners have learned so much. Is there anything else that you want to tell them, like how they could reach you or if, if there's anything you're up to?
0: Yeah. So um, where I work with people is all within the Wedding Business Collective, but I also have a podcast myself that's called the Evolve Your Wedding Business Podcast. And that's been going on for a couple of years now. So you can find that right in your podcast player and subscribe.
1: That's a really good podcast, you guys. So you should listen to. Thanks. So so I want to thank you again and all the best to you, Heidi. Thank you. So having a clear view of your who's, what's, and whys will help you create a marketing plan that suits your business. You need to understand that not everyone is your client, so make sure you zero in on who your tribe is and make sure that you serve them better. I'd love to know how this episode was for you, so feel free to reach out if you have any questions or suggestions. I'm throwing all these information goldness for free, so I'd really appreciate it if you help me by subscribing. Rating or leaving a review. Thanks so much to those who already did it. Thanks for listening. It means the world to me. Watch out for the next episode of the Wedding Video Boss podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss Man out.